Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We're going to stay with the conversation a little longer, stay with the questions. We often talk about how we have to get comfortable having uncomfortable conversation, and sometimes that involves our teenagers, especially those that might be dealing with anxiety or depression. Uh, suicidal thoughts. And uh, Dr. Craig Hudnell from Hope for Utah has uh, been very gracious with his time and is staying with us. And uh, doctor, I want want to kind of go down the path now of of how do we get to these uncomfortable conversations that we got to get comfortable with? What are some of those warning signs uh, that we should be watching for, especially early on? Yeah, you know, one of the things that there's no doubt is as children age that um, you're going to see different reactions, different responses to uh, behaviors in life. But one of the things that I really encourage parents to look for um, changes in appetite or weight, um, appearing sad, you know, irritable, tearful over emotional things that that's so unusual, decrease in energy. Right. They stay up all night and then they have no energy during the day difficulty concentrating. I see a lot of young people struggling with guilt or that feeling of worthlessness or unpleasantness. I talked with a bunch of young people not too long ago, uh, and, you know, they really just felt bored, and they felt like they had nothing to do in their life and that the future was frightening for them. And then probably the most important is any kind of talk of suicide, you know, looking up how to take my life. I had a mother call me said, I just got on the computer after my daughter had supposedly done her homework, and there were 14 different sites on how to take my life without my parents knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are the things we want to look for and watch for. And once again, it goes back to that relationship with the child so that when you see those things happening, you can sit down and have that discussion. I got called by a clergy and got called into a situation, and young 15-year-old, and when I was meeting with the clergy and the mother and father, I, I just turned to the parents and said, who's closest to the child? And they both kind of looked at it and said, well, what do you mean? And I said, look, I've raised teenagers, and I know that there were times that they were mad at me, and I was mad at them, and yeah. their mom had to step in. And the, and the mom smiled, and she actually turned to her husband, and he started laughing, and he, and he pointed to her and said, she is. And, and so we laid out a plan that that night when, when they were not angry with each other, Uh, the parents and the child, to take the child out for ice cream or go for a bike ride or go for a walk and then have those crucial conversations that you're talking about, boy, you know, honey, tonight at dinner, I noticed you got really angry with your brother. And this is usually not like you. Can you 
help me understand. And I like to use the I messages. I know you're hurting and I'm scared. And then it's always having that courage to ask, have you thought of hurting yourself? Have you thought of, of suicide? Yeah, those uh, those questions are so vital, and uh, I I love that you keep coming back to these relationship components. And when you when you mentioned, you know, some of them are just feeling shame or guilt uh, or frustration or just can't see a path forward. Uh, it seems to me that part of that relationship connection with with a parent or with an adult is an adult who can show some courageous vulnerability themselves and say, wow, I can see why you were frustrated with your teacher. I can, you know, I remember when I, you know, I had this at work today and I was, I was so devastated. I wanted to go crawl under my desk and, you know, run out of the building. Uh, How can we have those kinds of conversations or foster those uh, with our young people? You know, that's a, that's a great example, Boyd. And I think it's a great example for us parents to remember that Too many times I see us as adults trying to relive our childhood through our children. Um, Leon Uris, who's a great author, says that we spend the second half of our lifetime trying to get over the first half. And I think the more that we can share those vulnerability examples, you know, that you can actually share, um, you know, this happened to me when I was in seventh grade. And I remember how difficult and embarrassing and, you know, whatever it is. And I may not understand what you're going through right now, but know that I'm here. Know that I care about you. And please let me know what I can do to help. You know, those I, 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 I heard a therapist one time make a comment that that I really like. And that is that parents need to create safe and opportunities for for kids to talk, you know, creating a safe space. Um, too many times you and I as adults want to fix it. Yes. We want to just, hey, I can fix it. You know, you tell me what's the problem and I can I, I can jump in there and fix it. When the reality is, you know, some of these things, um, what, what we need to do as parents is ask the questions and then let them talk. Mm-hmm. And our job as adults is just to listen. Yeah. Let them share what they're going through. I was with a granddaughter not too long ago who's just an amazing young lady who shared one of those concerns. It wasn't, you know, you and I would look at it, oh, it wasn't, you know, that serious. But, you know, it was it was her experience of this race that she was involved in. Mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking, wow, what an amazing young lady. Yeah. And, and how courageous for her to share that. Those are the conversations, you know, we need to have and we just need... We just need to listen. Yeah, so vital. We've got just about a minute left, and uh, just want to make sure we get some uh, resources out there quick uh, in terms of uh, those who may really be worried right now. What are some of the quick hit resources we need to have at our fingertips? You know, the number one thing that I tell parents is is put the Safe UT app. You can go on uh, the app uh, and uh, Apple and download it. It's Safe UT. It's sponsored by our state legislature. And if I'm a parent that has a struggling child, I'm going to be reaching out to them asking, give me advice. What should I do? Uh, It's a great site to text. Uh, It's free. It's 24-7. Uh, you, it's a crisis line and a texting line. The second thing, Boyd, is that we have such an amazing mental health agency in the state of Utah. We have 14 state mental health agencies in my own county, Wasatch, Davis, you know, Four Corners. I could go through and list them. Look up the local mental health agency. Intermountain Healthcare has a great program for uh, mental health and mental wellness. And then there are a lot of private providers. Many people are, they want to go out of their community because they feel like, 
Everyone in their church will know about it, everyone in their neighborhood. You know, so don't be afraid to go online and, you know, to look at those resources uh, that are available. We are very blessed to have the resources that we have um, in the state of Utah for mental health services. But even having said that, there's still a lot of difficulty, even in my area down here in yeah. Utah County. It's two to three week waiting list to see a mm. therapist. Wow. Um, so, you know, there's uh, there are challenges out there, but we know that. Um, and, and then the final thing that I'll just shout out to parents, we know that seven out of 10 young people who take their lives will tell a friend. And that's why we came up with the Hope Squad idea. And we've had over 5,000 kids referred for help and over 1,000 hospitalized just by friends mm. reaching out to friends. Um, and so the more that we can encourage our kids to be kind, to be nice, to invite friends over now that we're starting to get out of COVID and, and those kids that feel like they never have um, someone that reaches out to them to really sit down with our children and, yeah. and to challenge them, you know, who, you know, once a week, I want you to reach out to someone at school that you don't know and sit by them at lunch and introduce yourself or whatever. Yeah. So important. And uh, just a, a final thing. We're so grateful to have uh, Dr. Greg Hugnall, Joining us today from Hope for Utah, and uh, if you know a young person who's struggling, reach out. And if you are a young person struggling, reach out. Uh, we need to link and lock arms and move this forward together. Uh, Dr. Hudnall, thanks so, again so much for being with us today. Yeah, boy, thanks for the opportunity. You bet. All right, we're going to step aside for Top of the Hour News. Stay with us. Much more to come on this important KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.